If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Second, boy, we're just flying right through this, aren't we? For those of you that maybe guessed, we started this, uh, I, I think, the week that school let out for summer break, and we called this series "Summer: A Summer with King David. Um, but it's turned out it's going to be fall with King David, and we may still be talking about King David next summer. And so we've simply changed the title of the series to King David, but uh, we're going to continue to focus on him today. Uh, you know, it all begins during a time of peace uh, when everything was going smoothly, and we know that from verse 1 here in chapter 7. Excuse me, it says, After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. So we know chapter 7 opens here. David has established himself as king, he's moved into the palace. Think about this now. He has gone from a cave to the palace. All right? God is good. Amen? That's what he does. He takes us from the cave. To the good stuff. And that's where David is. He's living in the palace. He's the king of Israel. Things were calm. Things were quiet. Things were peaceful. For once in you know a very long time, there's not a giant out there haunting them. There were no enemies lined up on the border to attack them. It was just a time of peace. And things were going really well. And you know what? It's so often when things are going well... Or we have a time of rest in our lives, we realize, you know what, my body may be resting, but my mind is still spinning. Anybody else here like that but me, you know? We, we find a place of rest, but I'm constantly thinking about, you know, what's the next plan? What's the next message? What's the next, you know, whatever it may be. And so my mind is, is at work. And, and often when, when life is in chaos and we're just running, 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 and running, you know, we really don't have time to just sit and contemplate, time to think about the future, time uh, to plan. But David is in this quiet time. He's sitting and think about where he's at now. He's in the luxury of this beautiful palace. He's reflecting on God's blessings on him. God has kept his promises to him. God is so good. And so now he's sitting there, he's resting, he's reflecting, and he's beginning to think about the future. What can, what can we do in the days ahead to glorify God? What, what can I do for God now that, that you know, we find ourselves here in this place? And he begins to share uh, you know, what he's thinking about with uh, this man named Nathan, who is now the, the new uh, you know. Uh, prophet of Israel. He's, he's kind of like the pastor. He's David's pastor, if you will. And so they're sitting there. He begins to share this. It's the first mention we see of Nathan. So David calls him in. They're at peace. They're resting, relaxing. And he said to Nathan, the prophet, in verse 2, he said, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, which meant it was extravagant back in that day. While the ark of God remains in a tent. The Ark of the Covenant that we've been talking about the last two weeks remains in a tent. And so Nathan, his pastor, the prophet, he, he replies to the king, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. It is obvious that you are God's man. The Lord is with you. God is with you. If you're thinking about doing something for God, you just need to go do it, right? 
And that's Nathan's response. And, and, and so, you know, I, I can just picture them here uh, sitting out on a balcony somewhere, you know, and they're, they're, they're sipping their coffee, probably a white chocolate mocha with almond milk, you know, and, and having a piece of soda cracker pie. And they're sitting here talking about all these things. And David's sitting in the palace and he looks out and he sees this tabernacle. The tabernacle that houses the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, which we've learned the last two weeks, was where the presence of God was. It's where the power of God was. And he looks out and and, and he's looking at at this tabernacle, which is actually just a tent. And and I'm sure it was probably looking pretty uh, shabby because God had given Israel instructions. We see them how how to construct the Ark how to uh, construct the tent uh, right after they left Egypt in the, in the book of Exodus. And so by this point, the tent would have been a couple hundred years old, right? And it had been moved. It had been torn down and put back up and torn down and, and, and put back up for a, a couple of hundred years, probably several hundred years. And so it's probably looking pretty rough and pretty shabby. And, and the thing about it is... Uh, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Go back to your notes, Steve. Logan, I'm going back to my notes, just so you know. Appreciate Logan Graham back there volunteering, running the slides. Man, he's one of the best-looking guys we have. That was weird. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Where were we? David's big old palace with all these rooms and hallways and marble cedar balconies helicopter pad and and so it's starting to bother him that he's living in this beautiful palace while the ark of god was in this tent and so he begins to think we can do better right he begins to think we can do better the ark of god the presence of god should not be in a shabby tent it shouldn't, shouldn't be in something that looked like that. It should have its own permanent structure. It should, have a, it should have a house for God. It should have a temple in God's honor. And But here's the deal. God had never dwelled in a permanent house before. If you think about it, the reason that it was this tent is because the Israelites were often on the move. And if they had built a permanent structure at some place where they had been for 40 years, if they had built a permanent structure there and then they moved into the promised land, they would have left the presence of God where it was, right? And so they were always on the move. And so the, the tabernacle had to be on the move as well. But David, he, he wants all that to change, right? He's got this great idea. God should have his own beautiful temple. And just to be clear here, we get no hint whatsoever here in this passage of Scripture that David had any ulterior motive here. That it wasn't about David, that it was most definitely about God and bringing God glory to build a place of worship for God. But here's the deal, and here's one of the things that that we learn from this lesson today and from this story today. Sometimes our dreams come from God, but sometimes they don't. Right? Just because they're good ideas don't necessarily mean that they're God's ideas. Sometimes they are great ideas, and, and we mean well, and we want to do it for the glory of God. But 
when it's not from God, here's the deal. It probably won't be blessed by, by God either. We often think, you know what, if we will do this, God will bless it. And then he doesn't bless it, and we don't know why. Could it be because it wasn't part of his plan to begin with? And, and so, uh, you know, sometimes we have a great idea, and it just never plays out. Because it was a great idea that we had, but it wasn't God's plan. Honestly, sometimes it's really hard to determine which is which, right? Anybody been there? When you just don't really know what you're supposed to do? You, you don't really know, you know, what you're supposed to do next? Should I, should I change jobs? Should I not change jobs? Should I move? Should I not move? Should we build a house or stay in the barn? I mean, it's, it's, I mean God, what do you want? Open a door. And then... Whatever you have in mind, you go ahead and, and, and you do it. And you know right as you're starting it that God's not in this. It's not, not going well. That's exactly kind of what happens to David here. Let's go on. We need to look at our text before lunch, I guess. Verse 4. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Nathan's in a, in a sticky spot here. That night the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, Go back, go and tell my servant David that this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? And, and we've look, been looking at this, this passage, this story here that, that we're looking at, kind of has a parallel passage over in the book of Chronicles. Uh, and I, I just want to look at 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 3, because here's what it says about this exact same situation. It says, But that night the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, This is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. So first off, put yourself in Nathan's shoes here for just a second, right? Because just earlier in the day, he's thinking, you are blessed by God. You are God's man. Any thought, any idea that you might have must be from God, right? And so Nathan is saying, hey, great idea. Go do it as pastor. That's, that's what he's saying. But now, just a few hours later, Nathan's hearing the Lord speak to his heart and saying, you know what? You need to go stop David. You need, to, you need to tell him to, to get off the backhoe because this is, this is not the plan. Tell him, don't do this. Earlier, Nathan uh, was hearing David's great idea, and it was a great idea, but it wasn't God's plan. Now back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8. Look at what God tells Nathan. He goes on to say, Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. Don't miss what he's saying here. He's saying, Nathan, you go tell David, I appointed you to be the king. All right, you were anointed, you were gifted to be the king. To do what? To lead my people, not to build a temple. Verse 9, God goes on to say, I've been with you everywhere you have gone. I've cut off all your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. David, here's the deal. Nathan, go tell David. David, you, you have been a, an amazing, you're an amazing shepherd. You're even good at that. You were gifted. You were gifted to lead. You could lead sheep. You, were, you, you grew up to be a, a, a great soldier. I made you a great and mighty warrior. 
who could fight great and you were a great leader and people would just naturally follow you because of the gifts that you had. But I did not anoint you and I did not gift you to lead a building campaign in the church. <laughs> right? That, that's why all of your enemies have been defeated. You are a victor. You are a warrior, not a contractor. But then look at what God tells him next. I skip down to verse 12 there. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, which is a, a ni- very nice way of saying when you're dead, all right? I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Don't miss this. God is telling David, David, you know what? This is a wonderful idea. You are not the one to do it, though. You are not the one that's going to build it, but your son We'll build it, okay? That's my plan. That's my plan. That's, that's what, what, what I want to happen. God's, you know, not letting David build the temple because it's somehow wrong or even that David is wrong. God is just saying to David this, I'm saying no to you, but yes to your son. So accept this because this is my plan. This is my plan. And it's not about David. It's not about David being cursed for something that he's done wrong or something that we know he's going to do wrong in the future. It's simply about God's timing and God's plan. And so don't miss this. When God says no to your timing, I told somebody this morning, I said, this is a horrible message. I trust that God is going to use it. So I I, I don't know, but I just feel like somebody needs to hear this today. And it may only be one person in this room. Or online. But when God says no to your timing or to your plan, we need to be willing to accept that His ways are greater than our ways. Talked about it last week. We need to realize and we need to understand, we need to embrace this fact right here. He is God and I am not. His plan is better. His way is always better. From a cave to a castle. That's how God works. That's what God does. That is His character. That is His nature. Now, I'm not saying that all of you are, are, you know, God's got a castle for you somewhere because that's not for everybody. All right? But when God says no to our timing, we must be willing to accept that His ways are greater than in our ways. And when this door closes, you know what? It just simply means that the door that opens has got something so much better on the other side of it than this door had. But here's where I'm at with this, because I get an idea in my head. Nobody else may be here like this but me. I get an idea in my head, and I think, this is the greatest idea ever, Right? And because I know me, and I know how intelligent I am, and I know that I'm always right, and I always have the best ideas, I know that, you know, if I had this idea, this is the best idea ever, right? And anybody that disagrees with me or anybody that tries to speak against my idea is just idiot, you know, because it's my idea, and it's a great idea. 
And, and so when it's my idea and I get to a closed door, you know, I often say, God, close the door that you should close and open the door that should be open. I get to a closed door, and what do I do? I stand there and try to kick that sucker in, right? I mean, this is my plan. But sometimes we just got to step back and realize, maybe my plan didn't line up with God's plan. And, and you know what, just to affirm the fact that David's idea is not a bad idea, that God was somehow opposed to it, I, I want to go back to the, the parallel story back over in Second Chronicles. Listen to what David's son, Solomon, this is David's son, Solomon, he would write this later in Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 7. He wrote this, he said, My father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my dad, you did well to have it in your heart to build a temple for my name. Nevertheless, you are not the one to build the temple, but your son, your own flesh and blood. He is the one who will build the temple for my name. And it was an extravagant place that he built for the presence of God. God says to David, you did well to have it in your heart to do this for me, David. It's one of the reasons that I referred to you and said that you are a man after my own heart. And rather than seeing David's desire to build the temple as, you know, something that he was doing wrong, God says, I, I commend you for it. Right motives, yes, right motives, I commend you for it. I commend you for thinking like this. I commend you for wanting to build something special for my name and for my glory. To construct a house of worship where I would be lifted up. It's a good idea, but not right now. Not right now. So don't miss this. And this has ministered so much to me over the years as I've studied this and taught this. Just because God says no, that doesn't mean that you are being disciplined. It doesn't mean that you are being rejected. And it doesn't even mean that your idea or your plan was bad. It may simply be that he's just redirecting you to something that is so much better. That will be so much better for you. So that he can use you later in a much greater capacity and in ways that you never dreamed or ever could even imagine. That's where my life is right now. That's where our family is right now. We're in places that we could have never dreamed or imagined. And sometimes it takes God saying no to us in order for us to get on the right path, to go through the right door. So his no's are not always necessarily a bad thing. And another thing is this. God doesn't call everyone to build temples. Okay? He doesn't call everyone to be a builder. He calls some people to be soldiers he calls some people to do the dirty work in the trenches. He calls some people to share his gospel in other places and in other states, and maybe even in other countries. He calls some to preach, some to teach, some to be missionaries, some to serve in children's ministries. Some to serve in teen ministries. He calls some to serve as door greeters. He calls some to serve as welcome center hosts. 
or even security guards. God has all different kinds of ways to use us. I want to tell a story, and I don't have this person's permission to tell it. And they're not here for me to ask. I'm going to tell it anyway because I feel like it would be okay. Talked about being a youth pastor. I was youth pastor here for, I don't know, where's Daniel? He always tells me on my dates. I've been a youth pastor here for 30 years. How long was it? No. 15? 15 years. Felt like 30. Had a lot of kids come through. There was one kid in particular that went through, and uh, he was a good kid. He never gave me a lot of trouble, but he was just one of these kids that found a lot of trouble later in life, later as a teen. And uh, he'd be the first to tell you that he went down some dark paths, some dark places. And uh, hadn't seen him or talked to him in a long time. I, I just knew he'd grown up, become adult, got a great job, and moved off out of state. Um, and then I get a call, and he says, Brother Steve, he said, I'm getting married, and I want, I'm coming home, and I want you to do my wedding. And I was like, wow, I'd be floored to do your wedding. And I'd heard and seen that some things that led me to believe that God was working in his heart and in his life. And he told me while we were on the phone, when he called me, and he said, will you do my wedding? He said, I'm embarrassed to call you. He said, I've been putting this off. I've been putting this phone call off for, for weeks. And he said, because I'm just embarrassed of what I grew up to be and the things that I did and now to call you and ask you to do my wedding is just kind of awkward. I tell, told him the same thing that I tell every teen that has ever come through the youth group and has gone through a difficult time. And I've come along beside them and tried to encourage them or just let them know I was there. You're one of my kids. There's a lot of people sitting in this room today that were one of my kids and this was one of my kids that was calling me to tell me that it was awkward and he was embarrassed well he came home and we began to make plans for the wedding and uh, we went out to eat and as we were eating he came and some of you know this because I've asked some of you but I I love to ask people about their tattoos um, I think they're cool, all right? I, I'm doing, y'all think I'm crazy, and y'all may fire me, I don't know, but I'm trying to talk my kids into us all going together as a family and getting, getting in a tattoo. Y'all laugh, I'm serious, Lynette's mad about it, but it'll be all right. <clears throat> I love tattoos, I think they're cool, because here's what I've learned. There's a story when somebody goes to the trouble to put something permanent on their body, there's usually a story. And my family hates it because we'll be in a restaurant. I'll be checking out somewhere, and I'll see a young lady with a saying or something tattooed or a guy, you know, and I'll say, what, what does your tattoo mean? Always a story. 
Occasionally that story is, I just got drunk and thought it was a good idea. You know, sometimes that's the story, all right? But that's okay, because we all make mistakes. And so we're eating this uh, night before rehearsal dinner, is what it's called. And he comes down, and he sits by me, and we're talking. And he, he begins kind of sharing with me a, a little bit about his faith. And he asked me, he said, uh, you ever heard of a preacher named Stephen Furtick? And I was like, oh, yeah, that dude can preach. I mean, he is, he's good. He's a, he's, a little, he's a little out there, but he's good. And he said, he reminds me of you. <laughs> and I was like, you're nuts, dude. He said, well, he reminds me of a younger version of you, is what he said. And he's all tatted up, and so I do what I do. I say, you know, what, what does this mean? And he dropped his head. And he said, well, it means something bad. And he said, matter of fact, all of this is bad. It all came in a very dark time of my life when I was living and doing the wrong things. And he said, every time I look down now, I'm reminded of my past. And I'd rather not talk about it. But it's always there as a reminder to what God's done in my life. And you know what? He works uh, doing heavy equipment. He works for a gas company up in Maine. That's where he's at of all places. He got as far away from Greenbrier as he could go. And he lives in Maine, but he operates heavy equipment. And I know that God is using him in the middle of those pipeliners or whoever it is to talk about where he's been and where he is now. And y'all, I would have never had that relationship had I said no to God when he called me to what I thought was one of the most difficult ministries in the church, and that was teenagers that don't have a brain, right? But to see the fruit of what God does in and through people that are not equipped, not qualified, not educated. And he said, thank you for loving me. Thank you for always being there. Y'all, God calls us to different places to do different things. And maybe now he's calling you to a place to where, you know what, your past don't have to define you anymore. Let my grace define you. Let my forgiveness, let the cleansing that I've done in your heart and your life, let that be your identity now. And you go and you, you, you dig those holes or, or you go and you build those houses or you go and you teach those kids or you go and you serve them food or, or, or you go and do whatever it is that... I've gifted you and put you in a place and a situation to do. You go and use that for my glory. You go there to build my kingdom. 
And that's what he's saying to David. David, listen, I haven't called you to be a builder. I haven't called you to be a contractor. I haven't called you to all these things right now. I've just called you to lead people in my direction. To lead them and to show them and to teach them about what the presence and the power of God means in their lives and in their families. David, that's what I want you to do. And today, he's saying to you, this is what I want you to do. And it may not be children's ministries. It may not be teen ministries or greeters or security guards or or whatever. It may just be walking down the hall, somebody coming up to you at school and saying, hey, there's going to be a big party this weekend. And you saying, you know what? I don't do that. Maybe I used to do that, but I'm not going to do that anymore. Because here's the deal. The consequences of the decisions that we make in our sin and in those dark places and in those times when we didn't take the right path, you know what? They may be tattooed on us. We may wear the scars. There are consequences for sin that we may always carry with us. But you know what? That does not have to define us. It can be the story of grace in our lives of what he brought us from. He brought us from the cave to the castle. I'll give him glory and give him praise. And you know what? Sometimes when you get in your mind that, Logan, I'm going back to my notes now. (laughs) Sometimes when you get in your mind that there's something that you want to do or something that you need to do, and then you see someone else doing it, sometimes, you know, that can kind of make you feel shunned or you weren't good enough or whatever it may be and you know what we just got to be willing to let that go and to move on through the next open door that's there because maybe God has something better for us than what we wanted to do in the first place and I've told y'all this before but you know what I have prayed and I have longed Lynette and I pray nearly every single night that God would do something awesome in this church that that we would just see the power of God and a movement of God like people have never seen before and that's my prayer that we would see that in this church and that it would explode and that it wouldn't be oh Steve Thrasher is the pastor of that church but can you believe Steve Thrasher is pastor of that church and look at what's happening there right that's been my prayers that God would just do something that people would be blown away And know without a doubt that God had done it in our church. And that's my prayer and that's my desire. But what if that happens in the church next door? What if it doesn't happen here? And what if it happens in the church next door? How are we going to feel about that? How are we going to feel about the fact that they have to go to six services on a weekend and they come over here and and they pull out their wallet and say, we're just going to buy you all out. We need your property. I mean, how are we going to feel about that if God does something that awesome in that church next door? Listen, we ought to be about wherever God is at work, we ought to join him. Wherever he is at work, we ought to be encouragers. We ought to be workers. We ought to be a part of what he is doing. Yes, I want it to happen here, but if it happens there, I'm going over there. Yeah, maybe not. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying, right? Y'all know what I'm saying? God said it won't be you, David. It'll be your son. 
It'll be your son Solomon that I'm going to use to make your dream come true. So what did David do? Did he pout because he didn't get his way? Did he sit there and pout? Did he run to his bedroom and slam his door because he didn't get what he wanted? Did he change churches? Because that's what a lot of people do today is they, they just change churches. They get upset, didn't get their way, didn't do what they wanted to do, so I'll go somewhere else. Well, here's what Scripture said David's response to this was, and I think it's absolutely beautiful. Verse 18. It says, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. God said, No. I don't want you to do what you're wanting to do. So this story started out with David wanting to go and do, right? Because that's what we've been called to do, go and do. But we see the story end here where he sat. Can I ask you if you ever just sat before the Lord? Asked him to speak. Asked him to lead. David's just heard God tell him, no, you can't have your dream. And so he sits down before the Lord. And here we see a man after God's own heart. He sits down before the Lord. And if you skip down to verse 22, here's what David says as he sits before the Lord. How great you are, sovereign Lord. There is none like you, and there is no God but you. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you have promised so that your name will be great forever. And I just want to stop here and say, I know I'm out of time, but I just want to stop here and say, we constantly see David throughout his life reminding God of the promises that he has made to David. And some of you today, if you sat before the Lord and put yourself in this situation, I want to just ask you this morning, can you sit there and remind God of the promises that he's made for you? Because if you don't know what the promises are that he's made for you, you need to go sit before the Lord and open your Bible. Because there are over 8,000 promises that he has claimed. That he has spoken over you and I. David is reminding God of his promises. Verse 28, Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy. And you've promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant. That it may continue forever in your sight. For you, Sovereign Lord, have spoken. And with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. God's just told David no. And what does David do? He praises him. He praises him. And I don't know about you, but when God tells me no, my first reaction is not usually to sit down before him and tell him how awesome he is, right? But it ought to be. Amen? It ought to be. Because his plans are always better than my plans his plans are always better than our plans I don't always understand and I may not there's going to be a lot of things that I don't understand this side of heaven but you know what I trust God because he is good 
David trusted God because he knew that God was good. He had experienced the goodness in his life. Can I ask you today, has anybody here experienced the goodness of God in their life? Right? David trusted him. He praised him for his goodness. And if you read the rest of the story over in 1 Chronicles, you'll see while David didn't get to build the temple, here's what David did. He knew that the temple was going to get built. Right? He knew that it was eventually going to happen. So you know what he did? While he was alive in his spare time when he wasn't leading the nation of Israel, he began to stockpile all of the supplies that his son was going to need to build the tabernacle. He began to stockpile wood and gold and marble and all of these expensive things that only David had access to because who God had made him and blessed him. And he was living in all this wealth. And so he began to stockpile these extravagant things set aside on purpose one day to be used for a house where God would reside and be praised and worshipped. So, so church, don't miss this. When God says no, it just means that he has a better yes. It just means that he has a better yes for you. He has a better plan, a better way. Charles Swindle, he says this about this passage, and I love it, and I'm going to close with this this morning. He says, to some he says yes, to others no. In either case, the answer is best because God's answers, while sometimes surprising, are never wrong. How can we get that through our thick heads? God is never wrong. and He is always good. It's who He is. It's His character. It's what He does. Don't forget. We used to sing a, a song about this. It's old now. And I don't remember the words. <laughs> but it talked about this. And I believe, it, I believe it's a psalm. Now that I think about it. But it talks about because of his great love for us, he gives. But it also says because of his great love for us, he takes away. But either case, blessed be the name of the Lord. Our best reaction to God telling us no or taking something away from us is to begin looking for what he's going to replace it with. And so that's my hope for every single one of us today. If we just kind of feel like we're caught in limbo or standing at a closed door or wherever we may be, look for what He has for you next. Look for what He wants you to do next. Where He wants you to go next. Because, friends, it will be awesome. It will be amazing. It will be good. Because he is good. This morning I want to close with a time of prayer. And I want to invite this morning anyone to come that would like to come and pray. 
maybe a situation you're going through or you know someone going through a very difficult time and you would just like to come and represent them this morning and pray, I invite you to come right now. We have a, a lot of illness, uh, just a lot of things going on in people's lives. And, and, and I would love for some of y'all to come pray about the, the ones that you know. So if you would come, please come. There's a lot of things going on. A lot of people that need a touch from God in their life or in their family or in their situation, whatever it may be. Maybe it's just to come today and ask God to show you the open door. That open door that He wants you to walk through next. And as your pastor, I'll be praying with you about your open doors in the future. I promise to do that. Dear God, we come before you this morning, first of all, with hearts of just praise and celebration. Um, well, the songs that we sang this morning were just so powerful, and I, I just felt your spirit in a really strong way as some people sang some, some words to some songs today that, that ministered to their heart, that, that we could identify with what we were singing about, and we could identify with the God that we were praising that brought us through. And God, many in here this morning spoke audibly to the goodness of God that they've experienced in their life. Because when we reflect on our lives and we think about just where we're at, we may be facing an obstacle right now. We may be facing a challenge right now. But God, we can think back and look back to what you have brought us through already and see and know that you are good, that you're a good God. And so, God, we worship you today. We praise you uh, for who you are today and what you've done and what, what you've done in the past and what you're doing right now. God, I thank you for the reminder today that our past does not define our future. Matter of fact, our past could be exactly what you use for someone to see your grace and your forgiveness in our lives. I thank you for allowing me to be a part of that, to be a part of, to be able to have so many people in this community that I can look at and say, it's one of my kids. It's one of my kids. We've had a lot of fun. We've been through some challenges. We've got some skin knees, some tattoos that we regret. But yet they're still trying to walk with you, trying to do the very best they can to lead their family to your throne. God, I pray that you would give them the help that they need. This is a, a different world that we're living in right now. And God, I know there is so much out there trying to suck the spiritual life out of our kids and out of our families right now. But God, help us as parents and as grandparents to keep the main thing the main thing. To keep the goodness of God out at the front of our family so they, they would know your goodness. Know what you've done in our lives. Know what, what you have promised them as followers. 
that they can count on you. They can depend on you when everybody else leaves you and you're sitting there all alone. God will be there. God, help us to be able to teach that to our children, to our teens, to our our, our young married couples. God, we need so much help in just sharing the gospel today and being encouragers. And it takes time and it takes energy and, and it takes money and it takes a lot. But God, we can do it with your help. God, as we plan and as we prepare and we think of ways to do a better job of what we've been called to do, God, shut the door on the things that we don't need to be doing. Shut the door on the places that we don't need to go. And I pray for every single person that considers themselves a child of God, that gathers here for worship. God, show us all open doors. Every single one. Because you have called us all to make disciples. You have called us all to build the kingdom. So show us the open door that you would have us to go through. Show us the plan that you have for us. Show us what we can do as we leave this place and go into the world so that people would see you and know you. Because God, the truth is, we are encountering a lost world and lost people every single day who if you came back tomorrow, their souls would go and spend an eternity in hell. And that's on us. That's on us if we haven't shared the good news and the hope that we have in you with them. It's on us. So help us to go and do. But also help us to sit And know and hear and follow. God, I pray for those in our church today that are going through some struggles. I pray for Lee Kane, God, as she prepares for surgery. God, we just expect and and, and we pray for good news, good results. God, we continue to pray for Sue Ermey and this infection that it's, it's bad. And so, God, I pray that you would do what only you can do, that you would heal and restore. I pray for Sue Sturdivant, and I pray for healing in her life. God, I praise God for Cindy Cooper. Holy cow. She's been on our prayer list for a while now. And to, to see her this morning, her smiling face at a place that I know that she has missed dearly. God, we praise you for who you are and what you've done. Thank you for answering our prayers for Cindy. God, I continue to pray for Courtney. Test and results and the future. I, I, I know that right now him and his family are just living in a world of question marks and unknowns. But God, I pray that today what they would know is that you are there. And you are present and you are good. And I pray that they would sense that in a very real and tangible way. God, I pray for Randy Livingston. God, just help him and give him strength and and build him back up. God, we pray for total and absolute healing in his body from this cancer. We pray for, for Glendon's brother, Danny, Danny Cunningham. God, we pray for him as he goes through this battle with cancer that, God, you would do what only you can do and you would draw him and Anita close. 
and you would minister to them and their, their kids during this time. So many people that are going through dark situations with family members right now. and It looks like there's no hope for an addiction or forgiveness or whatever it may be. But God, we know that you are in the miracle business. You have not changed. And so we pray for miracles. We pray for restoration between uh, moms and dads and children. We pray that addictions would be broke. We pray that, the, uh, that children who have, have been abandoned, God, that they would feel and experience love like they never have before. God, you know each and every need. And we're blessed to be able to bring them to your throne today and to share them with you. You said, lay your load down. Give it to me. And I pray that there would be some people in this room today that would do that very thing. I pray now that you would go with us as we leave this place. That we would walk through open doors. We would take the no's. And look for the yes that's going to be better. And God, seriously, if you decide to do something amazing and miraculous in the church next door, help us to know how to join them and help them and encourage them. Because all we truly want is to see people come to know you as their Lord and Savior. And so I pray for the other churches in this community. I pray for the church next door. I pray for their pastor. God, give him wisdom. Give him strength. Help him to know where the open doors is that you would have him to go and lead that congregation. God, we love you so much today. and it's so good just to bask in your presence with my family. I love you. And I thank you today for loving somebody like me. And it's in the name of Jesus, that powerful name of Jesus that we sang about earlier. There is power in the name of Jesus. And we pray these prayers today in that powerful name. The name of Jesus. And all the church said together, Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we're dismissed together and join together in the benediction as the body of Christ today? Would you read it with me? Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us, and may the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. And may the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day forever. Amen. And friends, before you go, I, I failed to mention, and it wasn't on purpose today, pray for our brothers and sisters over in the nation of Israel. Uh, we got a message from a friend of, uh, of Dan's this morning, and already two of his sons have been, um, what do you call it, Dan? deployed uh, in the, it's a terrible situation, a terrible war. There are really bad things happening in the nation of Israel right now as we worship. And so y'all be in prayer for them. They're God's chosen people, and uh, we stand with them today. God bless you.